Good morning, Blackman Baptist Church. Brothers and sisters, we're living in difficult days. I don't think I need to tell anyone that. For the last nine months, we've been focused on the threat of COVID as a disease, then the economic damage of lockdowns, then the riots of the summer, then a contentious election. Now, as we turned into a new year, many hoped to put the chaos of 2020 behind us. But as the virus infections and deaths are hitting new highs, this week the politics of our nation has lurched in a new and dangerous direction. It would be dishonest for me to pretend that I watch these things in some holy state of detachment. That really would be dishonest. I'll confess I've found it hard to concentrate on anything, work tasks or just about anything since Wednesday. But Jesus commanded us not to worry. In fact, he said that worry was a lack of faith, a lack of trust in the one who created and redeemed us. So today I want to share with you some thoughts that that I've been preaching to myself over the past few days. And I hope to offer some perspective to warn you and encourage you. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to use me to speak your truth to your people. May we understand, accept, and love your word. Amen. Amen. So our focal passage today is going to be from the closing of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. That's going to be chapter 10, or chapter 6 of Ephesians. I'll start in verse 10. Uh, I'll be using quite a few different scriptures, so we'll be bouncing around a little bit, but, but that's going to be where we start, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So my outline today is simple. I want to try to offer some heavenly perspective, a warning for believers, and encouragement for believers. To begin with a heavenly perspective, God told Adam, From dust you were taken, and to dust you shall return. That was from Genesis 3, after the fall. We are physical creatures. We live in this world. What we see, what we know, what we can touch, taste, and smell, it's all here. And it's natural for us that we might focus on what happens here where we can see it. Yet for those of us who are believers, God has declared us citizens of heaven. That's right, our citizenship is in a place that none of us has ever been. Remarkable. This physical, earthly realm of land, water, people, disease, and politics exists within a greater reality, a spiritual realm that we can't directly touch with our common senses. For now, we must see it with eyes of faith. Someday, we will see things clearly as they are. And this is what Paul is saying in verse 12 of that focal passage. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers 
over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What does this mean to you and me here on the ground? It means this. The conflict and the trouble that we see, which is quite real and quite disturbing, is an echo of a greater conflict occurring where we cannot see it. It is also the working out of God's great plan, which is also hidden from us. I want to ask you to think of an example from Scripture. Job. Job was a man who followed God faithfully. And Scripture tells us even that he was blameless. That's from the very first verse of Job. So let's look at the story from Job's perspective for a moment. I I think most of you know this story. One day, Job is prospering more than anyone around, really. He's a successful family. He has wealth. And he has a genuine faith in the one true God. The next day, he suddenly finds himself with his life turned upside down. His servants were murdered in the fields by a neighboring tribe. His sheep and their keepers, which was the measure of wealth in his day, were consumed by a fire from God. His camels were stolen, their keepers murdered. His children were killed altogether when the house collapsed in a freak storm. Next, his entire body became covered with nasty sores, and he sat sat in ashes and scraped them with broken pottery. Quite a scene. Disaster, devastation, disease. That's what Job can see. That's what Job can know. And Job's wife is no help. She's bitter and she's angry. She tells him to curse God and die. But Job has friends. They come to comfort him for one week. And then it's over, the comforting part. At this point of the story, we're only in chapter 2 of a 42-chapter book. The next 35 chapters are a great philosophical and theological argument between Job and his friends about why this has happened and what Job should do about it. But notice, Job and his friends don't don't actually know what is happening with the cosmic powers and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, as Paul calls them. We know what Job did not know, that Satan had come to God to challenge the idea that Job was truly faithful. He said Job only followed him because God treated him well. And God said, no, Job's truly faithful. He has no ulterior motives. He loves me for me. The amazing thing here, though, is that God allowed Satan to wreak havoc on Job's life just to prove it. He even allowed the death of Job's children. Why? Why? God never told Job why. But he did remind him that it wasn't his place to even ask the question. But we know what Job didn't know because of the scripture. Job's faithfulness in trial glorified God. That was the reason. And it was a worthy reason. And this isn't a sermon really about Job. I want you to think about the similarities to our current situation. The world seems to be turning upside down. Disease, death, disaster, political tension that threatens to explode. Truly scary stuff. And we are like Job and his friends, arguing on Twitter, Facebook, about what it all means and what we should do to fix it. Job and his friends filled 35 chapters of Scripture with their arguments. We are filling data centers with our arguments. When God appeared to Job, his first words were, Who is this 
that darkens counsel by words without knowledge. That's from Job 38, verse 1. He's saying, enough talking. You have no idea what you're talking about, what is really happening. So what do you think God thinks when he reads our Facebook and Twitter feeds? I'm guessing it may be even harsher than words without knowledge. Job's story is a reminder that what happens in the spiritual realm is hidden from us. But it's also a lesson that what glorifies God is our faithfulness and trust in Him. Our perfect understanding of the situation is not necessary and usually not even possible. He has that part under control. He asks us to trust Him in happy times and hard times, in prosperity and in disaster, in health and in suffering. Are you focused on the immediate problems and maybe even the villains that you see in our current situation and what they say? Those are real. There are real people who do real evil and cause real suffering, but they're not the real problem. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Our real enemy is Satan, who made himself the enemy of God and wants to destroy us out of envy and bitterness. And he's not alone, for he has spiritual help. The rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and spiritual forces of evil, demons and evil spirits. Do you have a heavenly perspective? Or do you want to argue with other people with words without knowledge? Will you trust God? Or do you suspect that maybe somehow he's been outmaneuvered here by Satan with all this turmoil? I promise you, he has not been outmaneuvered, and he won't be. He has allowed this for his own reasons. Trust him. I want to share a warning for believers. Secondly, we have a heavenly perspective and a warning. First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, Peter tells us, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Folks, Satan is actively pursuing destruction. And one of his favorite weapons is the lie. Big lies, little lies, half-truths. He used it in the Garden of Eden. Jesus said that he was a liar and the father of lies in John 8. His half-truths and lies to Eve led to the fall of all humankind. And it also led immediately to a breach in relationships between Adam and Eve, between humans and God. And when it comes to lying, he has never had better tools at his disposal than he has today. Of course, I'm talking about our media environment. And when the internet was invented several years ago and began to grow and people began to see the potential, they were so excited about it. Imagine if literally anyone in the world could communicate with anyone else. How much better would understanding and harmony be if we could just communicate more easily? It's almost comical if you have a dark sense of humor. Because now we see escalating deception, anger, bitterness everywhere. On cable news, chat rooms, Facebook, Twitter, radio, podcasts, you name it. It's ugly. The online reputation consulting company called Alethea Group, they provide help to companies whose reputations are threatened by disinformation or, or digital attack campaigns. 
They estimate that 68% of Americans get their news on social media. They estimate that false information spreads online six times faster than the truth. This only confirms what Charles Spurgeon said much more poetically 120 years before Facebook. He said, A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth's putting on its shoes. Finally, Alethea Group is monitoring the efforts of 70 countries who are actively engaging in social media manipulation. Did you hear that? 70 countries are actively using social media to attempt to manipulate us for whatever their goals are. And a few of them are very good at it. These companies and countries, these companies though, they make money a couple ways. When you click on a content that contains ads and when, you, when they use your profile information to effectively market to you, the profile that they keep is quite detailed about you. They know what you like to look at. It's sophisticated. And they're spending immense amounts of money to study psychology so they can tailor their application to draw you in based on what they know you like. Notice I didn't say based on what is true. Because we all have things that we want to be true. And these media offer each of us what we want and often provide us with backing information to convince us that it's even proven true. And when my media feed shows me things that I wish were true, and your media feed shows you things that you wish were true, and those things aren't the same, you and me are headed for a conflict. Because that's what lies do. They create conflict, separation, anger, bitterness. About four years ago, I first heard the phrase, alternate facts. This is a phrase that defines our times, but of course, it's nonsense. There are actual facts, and then there are lies pretending to be facts. And on top of all that, there is the truth that not all facts are actually known. So there are some things we just don't know whether they're true or not. So here's the warning. Lies are from Satan. Lies cause division between brothers and sisters. The media that surrounds us is absolutely full of lies. And the lies are targeted to your preferences, where you are specifically vulnerable. Don't overestimate your ability to resist this. Don't underestimate the sophistication of either Satan or his human and technological tools. Don't let the facts that you saw in media, and I'm putting facts in air quotes here, don't let these facts that you saw in media, especially social media, stand between you and your brother. Don't assume your facts are the right ones. When brothers divide, Satan pumps his fist. He doesn't really care if they divide over something important or something trivial. Division is the goal. Media is the means. Paul gave this warning to Timothy and Titus a long time ago. Oh, actually, three, three warnings, three, three scriptures here. From 2 Timothy 2, Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. To Titus he wrote, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He's self-condemned. And then back to Timothy in chapter 3, he said, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
How many warped and self-condemned people do we see in our feeds? How many deceiving and being deceived? And And if you receive a lie and then pass it on, are you not participating in the slander? This is bad stuff, brothers and sisters. Just this week I saw a video that claimed to be from the scene at the Capitol on Wednesday. I saw it from three different sources. Remember, my feed feeds me. It was false. I didn't repost it, fortunately. I'm pretty careful about what I post. But I'm pretty sure I shared the video with some friends by text before I checked to find out if it was true or not. And I'm not telling you this because I'm so holy or smart. No. I'm telling you this because I'm, even though I'm very, very aware of the risk of bad information, I still can fall for it. So there are controversies and there are lies about just about everything. Politics, of course, COVID, prophecies. There are even people spreading disingenuous reports, slandering brothers in the SBC. There are reports that slander people I might actually disagree with. Those are particularly tempting to believe, aren't they? If I disagree with somebody, oh, how energizing it would be if I could actually believe that brother that I disagree with is actually evil. Bottom line, lying is Satan's game to weaken the body of Christ, the church. When we believe lies, he wins. When we pass them on, he wins again. When we allow lies to damage relationships, he wins again. Don't give him the win. Don't give him any ground. Now, I've been talking about these heavy things, but I want to share some encouragement with you. These are heavy times. Most of what I've said has not been comforting, but we are people of hope. We are the ones who trust in the God of truth and life, and he has some promises for us who trust in him. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and the Romans, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, he said, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. To the Romans, Paul wrote in chapter 8, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now these verses don't promise to us that we won't have trouble, but they promise us that God will not abandon us that he will bring us through and reward us in glory. When Jesus was about to return to heaven, he told his disciples in in Matthew, the very end of Matthew, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And here's the prayer that Jesus himself prayed to the Father 
on the night of the Last Supper, right before he left for the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed for us specifically. He said this, And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prayed specifically for us, for those who would believe because of the witness of the disciples. He prayed specifically for unity, but not just any unity, unity like Jesus has with his Father. Now, do you think when Jesus prays, the Father listens? You better believe it. This prayer is a promise. We face hardship, confusion, danger, but we have rock-solid assurance. Jesus will not leave us. He will unite His church in love and grace. We may suffer for a time, but we will reap eternal rewards. So be encouraged, brothers and sisters, because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Before we close, I want to say that this message was mostly, mostly for believers. And if you have not trusted Jesus to rescue you from the eternal consequences of the wrong things that you've done, talk to Brother Kevin or to me. We would love to help you understand what Jesus has done and what he promises to those who trust him. Let's pray. Father, you are the sovereign God of the universe. Let us remember that you are sovereign over this world, over the nations, our nation and everyone in it, over the righteous and over the evil, over our state, our city and our neighborhoods. Let us remember and live in the understanding that you are sovereign over the events of our own lives. Let us remember that for those who are called by your name, everything will work together for good, even hard times of testing. Father, you have given us every reason to trust you, Strengthen our hearts, strengthen our faith, give us wisdom and discernment against the lies of the evil one. May our love abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that we may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless when Christ comes. May Jesus find his church unified, strong, bound together in love as we witness while we wait for his coming. Amen.